Hey, this is Christian Golden. Welcome to our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message encourages you. I hope it builds you up. Enjoy the message. So last week we talked about Ephesians. We were talking about Ephesians chapter 4 where it says, Walk in a manner worthy of the calling. And one of the things I like to do is kind of recap what we talked about every week because not everybody makes it every Sunday so we can, can, can all kind of be on the same page. So walking is putting action behind a specific uh, purpose. It's, you're either, one thing I've learned about being a Christian, you're either moving forward or you're moving backwards. There's no in-between. There's no middle ground with God. You're either advancing his kingdom or you're not advancing his kingdom. And Dwayne Ashworth reminded me on Friday that that old man, that old self is one step behind you. That's why we don't stop. That's why the Apostle Paul says that we continuously press towards the mark for the call, for the goal, for the prize. Because if we stop, that old man's going to run right into us. And when that old man gets a hold of you, usually there's hell to pay. So that's why we keep moving. That's why we keep pressing forward. We don't want to slow down. We don't want to stop. Revelations 3, 15 through 16. I know your works, that you are neither hot or cold, I wish you were cold or hot, so then because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. And a lot of the translations have taken that word vomit and and made it something like a spit or a spew, not as violent. But vomit is a violent action. It hurts. It's painful. It's painful when God has to do that to us. So he don't want you to straddle the fence. He wants you to be right where he's supposed to be. There's no in-between. There's no playing it safe. Amen? Y'all follow me? You cannot live in the light and live in the darkness at the same time. You have to be all the way in or you you need to get all the way out. Jesus is an all or nothing God. He went all in for you. He went all in for you. Without question, without second guessing himself, he went all in. All the way to the cross. Will you go all in for him? That's the question. Will you go all in for him? And that's how you walk worthy of the calling, being sold out to him and his kingdom. Even if you don't understand what your calling is, even if you don't understand where God is placing you, you, sold, you sell yourself to him as a, kind of as a slave, as a bond servant, to serve him, that he's going to guide you and he's going to direct you. You put him first. Amen. And most of all, one of the things that I've learned growing up in my Christian walk is you serve where you're at. If God placed you here, he wants you here. Serve where you're at. Use what's in your hand. Amen. Walk worthy of the calling. So who is worthy? We talked about that last week. Who is worthy? God is worthy. Jesus is worthy. I am worthy because he says I am worthy. I am worthy because he loves me. Amen. I am worthy because I am his son. I am his righteousness. He made me who I am. I am worthy because I am his daughter. I am worthy not because of my words or my works, amen, not because of my heart for lost people, not because of my, my, I am worthy, because he declares me to be worthy, amen, and nothing can separate me from God's love, and I always go back to Romans eight thirty eight. for I am sure that neither death or life or angels or rulers or things present or things to come or powers or height, or depth, or anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And if that don't convince you that you're worthy, I don't know what will. Like my pastor used to say, if that don't light your fire, 
then your wood is wet. How many of y'all have heard that? Stands true today. We got to quit walking around like we're defeated all the time because you're worthy of victory. Amen? You got to quit walking around in sickness all the time because you're worthy of healing because of what Jesus did on the cross. Quit walking around in brokenness all the time. You're worthy to be made whole. Quit walking around in addiction all the time. You're worthy to be set free. Quit walking around with bad attitude all the time. Smile. Say, Jesus, I love you. I want to be happy. I want the joy of Christ that surpasses all understanding to be upon me. You're worthy. You're worthy of forgiveness. Say, I am worthy. Say it again. I am worthy. And one more time, say it like you mean it. I am worthy. Amen. Praise God this morning. We also talked about the fivefold ministry gifts. Um, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastor, and the teacher. And those aren't the only areas and gifts that God gives out. But those are what God has set in place for the equipping of the saints, for the equipping of the body. That's where we go. That's who we look to as we're growing, as we're learning, to help us grow, to help us learn God's word, to help us love each other when we, when we don't want to love people, to help us forgive one another. But also, it's for an example on how we trust in God. We always joke about the old bucks and the young bucks. Well, let me tell you something about the old bucks. They've got so much experience in life. And they may not say the things you want to hear, but I guarantee you they're right on point. Amen? I prefer, I prefer to go to the old bucks for, for counsel than I do the young bucks. The young bucks, they say, hey, you know what? Go. Punch them. <laughs> Forget it. And the old bucks, they, they kind of settle down. Well, you know. You know what the Bible says. Or like Pastor Paul used to say, well, bud, uh, we just can't do that. Amen? <laughs> Look. I said that more than once. Pastor Paul was the only person I knew that could chew you out and make you feel good about getting it. You know what I'm saying? And if the walls could talk, (laughs) and he could tell the stories that he's told me. Anyways, let's move on. Ephesians chapter 5. Turn in your Bible to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. Verses 1 through 7. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But fornication and all uncleanness, covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater, who has has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God, let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God upon the sons of disobedience, therefore do not be partakers with them. So I was asking God, what does it mean, Father, to be an imitator of you? What does it mean to, to copy you? What does it mean to imitate God? And what it means, it means to copy. It means to copy. It means to mimic. It means to impersonate or, or resemble. 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Paul says to imitate him as, we, as he imitates Christ. So, so why does Paul tell us to imitate him? 
and not Jesus. Because I think sometimes we, we get our eyes and we think that trying to be like Jesus is so far away from who we could actually, where we could be, that we got to look to people, the, the fivefold, the, the apostles, the preachers, the teachers, you know what I'm saying? We got to look to them as an example on how we're supposed to live our life. So if you are set up in a position that God has placed you as one of the fivefold ministry gifts, you should be living in a way that people want to look unto you to learn how to be a Christian. And, and when we do that and we, we look at other people and we kind of follow them, it helps us get closer to Jesus. Does that make sense? So what, is all, so that what all that means is that we're to imitate Christ. It means we're to be like Christ. If Jesus forgave, then we should forgive. Amen? We don't hang on to unforgiveness. Unforgiveness turns into bitterness. Bitterness turns into separation. And when you're bitter and you're angry, you can't see nothing. You can't see nothing right. You can't see nothing good and you can't see nothing holy because you're angry and you're bitter. And you know what? The person you're probably angry and bitter with don't even have a clue. They're living a happy-go-lucky life, and here you are sitting there sulking in your, in your bitterness. Get rid of it. Shake it off. He forgave. You need to forgive. Turn the other cheek. When they smacked Jesus, when they spit on him, when they whipped him, he didn't whip them back. He didn't spit on them back. He turned the other cheek. We got to turn the other cheek. People are going to revile against you. Turn the other cheek. We should do the same thing. Jesus loved unconditionally. We should too. His light was always shining. Our should too. We don't just turn our lights on on Sundays. It, it should always be shining. It should be a beacon. It should be like a lighthouse where people can look out and say, oh, that guy's light is shining. I'm going to go talk to him. I'm going to go talk to him. Amen? You get what I'm saying? If we're going to imitate Jesus, then we're going to copy the things he did. That's what he's saying. John 14, 12, most assuredly, I say to you that he who believes in me, the works that I do... He will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. Jesus healed the sick. Hmm. Jesus healed the sick. How many sick people have we seen getting healed lately? How many sick people have we, be, have we seen getting healed? We can heal the sick. We have the authority. All authority he has passed down to us. If, if somebody needs to be healed, God will come and use us and go through us, and, and it can heal somebody. Not that we are God, but he works through us because we're vessels of light, and we got to allow that to go through. And, you know, I get questions all the time. People ask me all the time, how come we don't see healings happening like they did in the Bible? My response is always this, because we're not going places where people need to be healed. Yeah, people every now and then need to get healed in church. Where's the healings at? Where's the healings at? Jesus performed miracles. We can perform miracles. And again, I get asked all the time, how come we don't see miracles happening like they did in the Bible? My, my response is the same thing. We're not going places where miracles need to happen. Amen? You want to see miracles? You want to see healings? Go to the hospitals. Go to the hospitals. It doesn't matter if, it's, if you're there to see your, your, your friend or your family. There's a whole 18 floors of people that need prayer. If you really want to see miracles, go where miracles are happening. Walk in the hallways. There's always somebody in the waiting room crying over a loved one. They could use your prayer. Go on outreach. How many people have we prayed for on outreach? And they just broke down. Just, people just want to know that you care. They just want to know that you're there. Walk the streets. Pray for people. And you know, the problem is, we don't, is that we just don't go. The problem is that we just don't go where they need to be happening. We're too comfortable 
We show up on Sunday morning and we want to get all the praise, worship, healings, and miracles and try to cram it all in two hours and check it off our list and then we go home and spend the rest of the week doing what we do. And God has been dealing with me a lot about that. I like to paint. And sometimes I paint way more than I need to be painting when I should be studying. That's what God's been telling me. You know, painting's not going to edify you. <laughs> painting's not going to build you up. You need to spend some more time with me. You know where Jesus performed miracles, church? You know where Jesus performed miracles? You know where Jesus healed, healed people? In the highways, in the byways, amen? You know where the disciples performed miracles? You know where they performed healings? In the highways and the byways. So listen to what I'm saying. You know where we're going to see miracles, church? You know where we're going to see healings? It's going to be in the highways and the byways. Everywhere you go, everywhere you walk, in Walmart, at your home, at your job, people need healing. They need to know that you, that you serve God. That's where we're going to see miracles. That's where we're going to see healings. Church is a place that we get charged up, that we get filled up. So yes, that just enough to make it to Wednesday. Sometimes, sometimes I don't even make it to Wednesday and I'm falling flat on my face. Lord, what is happening? Jesus said we will do greater things than he did. But we have to go out there. We have to get out of our comfort zone. I'm not saying that, that you need to go out there if you're not called for evangelism. There's a difference between evangelism and witnessing to somebody and where you're at. Not everybody's called to go out on the street corners and behind the back alleys to witness and to share the gospel. I'm not asking you to do that, but what I'm saying is you can witness where you're at with who you're with. And you'll be amazed when you make yourself available what God will do in your life. You'll just be amazed. Jesus gave to the poor, and we give to the poor. Amen? The amount of money you give is not near as important as the reason you give. You can give all the money in the world, but if you're giving it out of selfish reasons, it doesn't mean anything. You give what you can give, and you don't worry about how much it is. And it might not be money that you're giving. You might give prayer. Somebody might need some prayer. You might give somebody a little bit of your time who's having a hard time. You give up of yourself a little bit. You know what I'm saying? It might be a ride somewhere. People like me might not understand how to Uber. I don't, I don't even know what, how that even works. So I might have to call on a friend. To come pick me up and take me somewhere. Amen. It might be a phone call. Might be a phone call. So many times I've gotten a random phone call from somebody just to say, hey, man, I just want you to know I love you. I just want you to know I'm praying for you. And isn't that just wonderful to know that people are out there thinking about you and praying about you? And you don't have to entice them like, oh, I wish somebody would pray for me and kind of hit them in the shoulder. It's just nice that people want to pray for you, amen? So we should do the same thing. We should do likewise. Jesus spoke life into every, everything he went except when he cursed the tree for being unfruitful. We got to speak life. Hebrews 3, 13 says, but exhort one another daily while it is called today. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. If God is moving on you to call somebody or to go pick up somebody or to text somebody, don't wait till tomorrow. Do it today. They need that today. They need that encouragement. They need that peace today. With Jesus' words, he built up. He built life. He didn't tear down. Amen. With our words, we build each other up. We don't tear down. We encourage. We encourage. We we, got to stop looking at people when when we 
first see them, and the, immediately the first thing we want to do is pick out what's wrong with them. How about we reverse that? How about when we see somebody, let's try to find something that's good in them. Let's encourage them. Let's find that one thing they're good at, even if it's only one thing. And some of us, I'm going to tell you, you have to look hard. I know. I was one of those people. You really got to look hard to find that one good thing. But when you find it, build it up. Encourage them. Let them know you got this. You can do this. Be their friend. Amen. Edify them. Encourage them. Everybody needs encouragement. Everybody needs to be edified. It doesn't matter what you're going through, how good or how bad you are, what level you're on. If you're the janitor, if you're the pastor, people need to be edified to know that they're appreciated. So we lift one another up. Amen. We don't just imitate Jesus at church on Sundays. Don't we do that? Don't we get caught up in that same cycle? Go to church, check it off my list, and a praise, woohoo, praise God, everything's good. And then we go home, and then what do we do when we're home? Do we have praise time at home? Do we have worship time at home? Do we tell everybody at home that we love them like we tell everybody at church? Do we go around Walmart hugging everybody, hey, Jesus loves you? No. Chances are we don't. I don't. Forgive me, Lord. I can do better. But we should. We imitate Christ in our homes. We imitate Christ in our homes. There's, a, there's, a, there's this picture, there's this painting that I've, I see quite frequently, and it's of two footsteps walking down the beach, but there's only one person. And it says something along the like, he's always with you. Well, the same footsteps that we're following of Jesus Christ, he's got the big footsteps. Well, every step that he takes, I'm stepping in it because I'm following him. That's how close I want to be to Jesus Christ. But on the same note, every, every step that I take, there's a little one behind me stepping in the same footsteps. See, they don't know much about Jesus. All they really know is what mommy and daddy's doing. So if it's important in your home, if you make Jesus important in your home, if it's important to you, your kids are going to think it's important. Amen? You got to make it important. They, they watch everything you do. Why? Because daddy and moms are the superheroes. They're the law. They're the ones that bring the law. The swift hand of judgment. Right? I should have had a lot of that in my life. A lot more than what I got. The swift hand of judgment. They're, they they want to copy you. They want to imitate you. My son Matthew, I post pictures all the time. I just, I love my son's work ethic. Y'all think I'm crazy. That boy is a workhorse. He don't know how to do math, but I tell you what, he can work that pressure washer like nobody's business. You know what I'm saying? We need skilled laborers in the world. So I'm saying, okay, Lord, train him up, train him up when he's young. If you want a new game, you're going to work for it. But they imitate us. They imitate everything we do. They imitate everything we say. I said something the other day about the dog. I'm not going to repeat it. It wasn't a cuss word, but it wasn't edifying to the body of Christ. But my wife said, Timothy. What are you going to do when your son goes and, and says that to the teacher? And I was like, you're right. You're right. I guess I'm going to whip myself. I mean, come on. <laughs> everything that we say, everything that we do, our children, watch us. Husbands, the way you treat your wife right now, the way you love your wife, the way you hug your wife, the way you build her up when she's flipping out on you, your son is going to treat her the same way. Wives, the way you talk about your husband, the way you edify your husband, your daughters are going to do the same thing. If you got a different, different girlfriend every week, men, your sons are going to have a different girlfriend every week. Women, if you have a different boyfriend every week, your daughters are going to think it's a norm. They're going to have a different boyfriend every week. 
What example are you leading? Do you pray with your children? Do you pray with, my, with your children? I love praying with my kids. I can't tell you how many times Matthew pr- prayed for, to be Batman and how many times he prayed he could jump off the building and not get hurt. But you know what? They're building trust. And he's going to jump off the building one day. And he's going to say, what happened, God? And God's going to say, you didn't pray for common sense, boy. <laughs> Amen? Got to pray for common sense. You got to be well-rounded. Pray realistic prayers. But pray crazy prayers. You know what I'm saying? Maybe he will jump off and fly one day. Right when the rapture happens. Amen? But they copy us. They imitate us. That's how we should imitate Christ. When he moves, we move. If he moves to the right, we move to the right. It's almost like he's holding the, the wands to the puppet. You know what I'm saying? Amen. And we do that in our jobs. We imitate Christ in our jobs. I got a Bible open on my desk. Not because I feel like I'm better than anybody, but I'm going to make a statement. I'm not going to participate in the cubicle uh, Facebook videos. I'm not going to participate in the gossip at the water cooler. I'm going to set myself apart, not because I'm better, but I represent the King of Kings. And everything I do, I represent Jesus. And why would I want people to follow a Jesus that I'm following if I'm going to be talking at the water cooler about Sister Big Mouth? I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. You got to set yourself apart. You got to imitate Christ in your job site. And it's hard. And it's hard because peer pressure even happens with adults. When everybody's laughing and everybody's joking and they're throwing these comments around and you got, you got a one-liner that would just roar, make the crowd roar. But it ain't godly. Keep your mouth shut. <laughs> Don't say it. Edify God. And when they get in the place, they're going to do the th- same thing they do to me. They're going to say, oh, Tim, you can't see this. I don't get offended. I absolutely don't get offended. I think that is an honor, that they respect me enough that even though they don't believe in God, they respect me enough that I believe in mine, that they're not going to try to offend me or try to cause me to sin. Amen? Imitate God, Jesus, in your job site. And I'll tell you what has happened. I'll tell you what has happened. At one point or another, they've come by my desk. Amen? Pray for my son. They're on drugs. They don't stop. But they just kind of keep on walking. Hey, man. Pray for my wife. She's yelling at me. And they just keep all moving. They want me to pray for them. They want all, the, all the, the healings and the blessings that God has to offer, but they don't want to be associated with the Christian. But I'm not ashamed of it. I'll stand there. And I told the, the president of our company, when he asked me how my wife was doing, I said, by the grace of God, my wife is living. And she's alive. And she's breathing. And I trust in him. And I believe in him. And he said, well, amen. (laughs) You know, I'm not ashamed. I'm not scared. I won't back up and I won't shut up. I am who I am. Let me be me, you be you. We imitate him when we're out of town. And I struggled with that. Most of my whole career before I got married, my whole life, I worked out of town. All the way up the East Coast, building refineries, building truck stops, loves truck stops. You've seen them all over the place. A wise man once told me, y'all may know him, his name is Bob McGee. He told me, he said, what are you looking at when you go out of town? I said, oh, uh, I'm not. (laughs) And he said, yeah, you are. He said, you know what? Let me tell you something, boy. A man is what he is when he is alone. And I never forgot that. 
So everywhere I go, every time I go out of town, when I have to be by myself, when I have to be in a room by myself, I lock the door, I hide the remote, because my flesh is weak. I set myself up to be successful. I take measures to be successful. I call my wife. I tell my wife I love her. I pray. I stay stored up. It doesn't matter how strong of a Christian you are when you're at home with all your buddies hobnobbing around, but when you're by yourself is when the test is really going to come. Can you imitate Christ when you're alone? It's hard if you do it in the flesh. But if you do it with the Spirit of Christ, you can do it. We imitate Him at school. I'm going to tell you something, school-agers, teenagers. If the boys come up and they say, if you love me, you will, I'm going to tell you something. You smack him in his face and you say, I am separated unto Christ for a purpose and I'm saving myself for my husband when I get married. Don't compromise. Don't give in. Don't back up. And if they loved you, they will say, well, I'm going to wait. Same with you, men. Every time you look at a girl, you remember you're looking at God's daughter. And I know how I'm going to react if some pimply-faced boy comes up to my daughter. Can you imagine what God's going to do when you go up to his? I've been chastised in my life for that. We imitate Christ at school, and it's okay. I know peer pressure at school is hard. I know you want to fit in. I know you want to look cool. I, want, I know you want to be cool. But in the grand scheme of things, none of that's even going to matter. Stand your ground, stay faithful, stay true, not just at school. Do it at work, do it at home. Amen. Let me, let me take it a step further. Let me take it a step further. When people lie about us, we imitate Christ. When somebody lies about you, Mr. Burton, that doesn't give you permission to go and lie about them. We don't do tick for tack. We don't do an eye for an eye. God will vindicate that. Amen. When we know people are being deceptive, we imitate Christ. We stand up. I'm going to imitate Christ. I'm going to keep my focus forward. I'm going to follow Christ. And everything that he says, everything that he does. When my brother calls me and he, and he only wants to talk about electrical work and try to get all the knowledge out of me and no pay, he's deceiving me. You know what I mean? My master's license is worth something. Give me some pay, bro. You get my point? When people don't act like we think they should act, that was the harder part for me as a Christian. Because I have this uh, philosophical mind that God has appointed me with that I can tell you how you should act. <laughs> right? And when I first got saved, I felt God had ordained me to tell everybody what their sins were and what their problems were. And I would even find a scripture to back it up. And you know, I didn't have any friends in that time. <laughs> You know, I didn't get one phone call checking on me. Not one. We got to remember that not everybody's on the level that we're at. And when we imitate Christ, we imitate Christ on the level that we are. Not everybody is imitating Christ the way you are. And we've got to sometimes get to their level so we can bring them up. We should never look down on somebody unless their hand is stretched out. Doesn't matter what they're going through. Doesn't matter what... what bad things they've done in their life. Amen. And when people act like that, when people treat you like that, one thing I want we got to fully understand is you don't change your character because somebody else changes theirs. You don't change your character because somebody else changes theirs. There's a, a little story, it may be in the Bible, I don't know, but this guy was, he reached down in the, in the fire and picked up a snake. Well, the snake bit him. 
So he let it go. About five minutes later, he reached back down in the fire again and picked up the same snake. Well, the snake bit him again, and he let it go. And believe it or not, this guy reached back down in the fire a third time and picked up the snake that bit him. And the guy said, look, moron, when are you going to stop picking up the snake? You know it's going to bite you. And he said, I'm not going to change who I am because something's attacking me or biting me. So when people are attacking and reviling against you, you don't change your character. You still imitate Christ in the good times and the bad times. God will deal with them. Amen? You don't change your character. I like what Joel Osteen said when he was being interviewed after, after the Harvey. There was a big controversy about why he didn't open up his church when, he should have, when, when people thought he should have opened up his church. And he explained, this is why, because it would have flooded. He did open his church. And then he went on to say, they went on to say, well, everybody's talking bad about you. And he stood right there and he said, that's okay. I did what was right in the eyes of God. God will vindicate me. I don't have to defend myself. And when people talk about you and they lie about you and they cheat about you, you don't have to vindicate yourself. You take it to the cross. You imitate God. You turn the other cheek. You forgive. You love. And you keep pressing towards the goal. Don't worry about all this stuff around you. God will vindicate you every area of your life. In Hebrew, the word or, uh, it, imitate also means followers. So, so Ephesians 5.1 could also be translated, therefore be followers of God as dear children. Be followers of God as dear children. So how do you follow Jesus? I say it every Sunday. It's simple. The gospel is really simple. You follow Jesus by going where he goes. Amen? How simple is that? If he went to the highways and the byways, guess where you need to go? In the highways and the byways. If he goes into the temple to pray, you go into the temple to pray. If he goes into Walmart, you go into Walmart. It doesn't matter. The gospel's simple. You follow Jesus. Where he says to go, you go. Where I go, you go. I think there's a song about that. And if you combine those two words, imitate and follow, that will answer your question on your calling in life. Imitate Jesus. Copy him. Copy everything he does. You mimic him. You do what he does. And you follow him wherever he goes. Those two alone will revolutionize your walk in a way that you could never imagine. Imitate him and follow him. Don't worry about everything else. Don't worry about what level you're on. Don't worry about who's saying what. Imitate God. Imitate Christ and follow him. Now verse 2. Verse 2. And walk in love as Christ has also loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. And walk in love. It's interesting, last week in chapter 4, Paul, Paul said, walk worthy. Now he's telling us to walk in love. There's something about this walking. There's something about moving forward in every area of our life. It doesn't have to just be walking worthy of the calling or walk in love, but walk in everything, moving forward. But again, that word is an action word. It takes work to walk. It takes work to put one foot in front of the other because sometimes we just get tired, and it's okay to get tired. Jesus took naps. He rested. It's okay to rest, but don't stop. He's telling us to walk in love. Put one foot in front of the other. And it takes work to love somebody that's unlovable, I promise you. It takes work. Now, the word used here for love is agape. 
agape. It means to have affection. It means to show benevolence. It means unconditional. I want to talk about that for just a moment so we have a clear understanding of it. There's three types of love I want to talk about. The first one is eros love. It's erotic love. It's shared with a husband and a wife within the boundaries of the marriage covenant. It's an example. An example of that is me saying to my wife, I eros you. I love you. I love you with passion. I love you deeper than a friend. Amen. The other one is phileo love. A love based on friendship between two people. I love you, Daryl, because you're my friend. I love you because no matter what's going on in my life, you are my best friend. You've always stood by my side through the good times and the bad times, and we've experienced both. You've always got my family in the forefront of your thoughts as I do yours. You are my friend. You are my best friend. You are my brother. I phileo you. Now, if I come up and said, Daryl, I eros you, that's erotic love. Now, we got problems. See, I can't have that love with you. There's different kinds of love and different kinds of levels for different relationships. But I love you, my brother, my best friend. Amen? But I can't tell Daryl that. I eros you. Now, agape love is unconditional love. I agape you, Daryl, no matter what. Even if you've done something wrong, I'm still going to love you. We can talk about it behind the woodshed, but I'm still going to love you, my brother. You know what I'm saying? That's how Jesus loves us. Jesus agapes us. He loves us with unconditional love. In Mark chapter 4, Peter denies Jesus three times. And I just couldn't imagine. How could you witness the, the miracles that Jesus performed, the, the healings that Jesus performed, the woman with the issue of the blood that dried up, the, the eyes that were made, that were blind, that could see, and, the, and if nothing else, to see the dead people raised, how could you deny Jesus? Because he let fear sit in. What you're going to see is that Peter had a phileo love for Jesus and not an agape love. Then in John chapter 21, 15 through 17, Jesus asked Peter, do you agape me? Do you love me unconditional? And Peter replied, you know I phileo you. Jesus is wanting unconditional love. Peter's wanting a friendship love. Jesus was, was asking, do you love me unconditionally? Peter responded, I love you like a friend. All three times Peter replied, I love you like a friend. What a friend we have in Jesus with all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. It's good that Jesus is our friend. It's good that we have a friend in Jesus. It's good that we sing, what a friend I have in Jesus. And it's good to have friends. It's good to have best friends. But do you agape him? Do you love Jesus unconditionally? No matter what, in the good times and the bad times, in the brokenness and in the healings, in the fast times and the slow times, do you agape him? We put limits on the love we have for Christ, do we not? Don't we put limits on the love that we have for one another? Well, Gabe, if you come and do my tile floor, I'll love you. I'll talk to you. I'll share all the, the Facebook posts about your business, Advocate Flooring. I'll share it all. But will I still love you if you don't? Don't we put limits on friendships? If you do this and that, I'll love you for this. 
And we, sometimes we base our love on people for the things that they do for us and not who they are in us. Amen? We put limits on the love that we have for one another. If you give me that, I will love you. If you, if you let me win the lottery, Lord, I'll give you most, most of it to the church. And I'm going to tell you, if you can't give when you're broke, you'll never give when you're rich. It's not about the money. It's the heart condition. Has anybody prayed to win the lottery? I know I'm not the only one. It's either you're lying or y'all are way holier than I think you are. And it's okay. You don't have to answer to me. <laughs> Amen. Don't we pray that? Don't we put conditions on that? We put conditions on how we love Jesus. If you don't believe me, wait until he tells you no. See how you react to him. I had a similar experience. Dwayne talked about in men's group this morning. Uh, this job opportunity came up. It was one of those lifetime retirement jobs. I said all the prayers. I claimed it. I named it. It was for working for ExxonMobil in Mont Bellevue, which would have meant I would have had to move, but I couldn't see. I didn't see what was around the bend in my life now. is the reason why I didn't get the job. And I cried, and I prayed, and I didn't get the job. And I asked God why. I followed all your principles. I've been a witness. I've been handing out Christian starter kits so much that they were fixing to tell me I needed to stop. You know what I'm saying? And, and I was just loving people, just being a light. This is my job. This is my retirement for me and my family. Why did you say no? So I got kicked out of there. They ran out of money. So they sent me over to the refinery. And that summer, I prayed with three people to receive Jesus as their Savior in the oil field. Stinking, sweaty, in a truck with a broken air conditioner. Three people gave their life to Christ. And God said, do you, do you want what I got for you or do you want what you want for you? And I said, I'll never, I'll never question you again. But he told me no. And the reason I said that is my attitude at first was, well, I'm done. I'm just going to quit. I'm just going to throw in the towel. But is that how we love Christ? Is that how we love Jesus? Just wait until he tells you no. Or wait until he tells you to wait. That's the hardest for me. I would rather you say yes, Lord, uh, yes or no, but don't tell me to wait. Don't tell me to be patient. Oh, my goodness. Then I find myself going around trying to help God. Here, you know, let me help you. Let me drop little bombs over here. Let me send out a few emails. Let me tell the people that I know gossip that I need something, and they're going to get it out. Come on. Let me go to the water cooler and revisit that. Uh, wait till God tells you to wait. We walk in unconditional love by giving forgiveness. Look, people will fail you. They will lie about you. They will lie to you. They will lie because of you. They will cheat you. They will deceive you. You can still love them. You can still have agape love for them because you're not loving with who you are. You're loving with who Christ is. Amen. One of the hardest things I've ever had to do in my life is to love somebody who absolutely hates me. And I prayed for them. And I can honestly say I love them. And when I'm in the flesh, I can't do it. But when I look at Jesus, how he loves, how he loved me with all my faults. And let me tell you, there's many. I, I know y'all think I'm perfect, but I'm going to assure you, I am not. I am not. And I'm not going to name them one by one because we, we wouldn't get out in time for lunch. But I have many faults. And I, if he can love me through all my failures, trust me. I can love somebody else. If Jesus looked past all, all the times that I denied him, 
All the times that I denied him, all the times that I failed him, all the times that I missed the mark, then I can love somebody with that agape love too. Have you ever missed the mark? Have you ever asked God to give you a second chance and you still bombed it? We were working downtown one time and, and I walked into this restaurant with uh, Battleline Communications. Didn't know nothing about nothing, but I walked in. I thought I was a Christian. I thought I was on fire for God. I wasn't even, I didn't even scratch the surface, but I walked into this restaurant. It was a little cafe in downtown and there was this, this, uh, there was this woman sitting there and she was covered in warts, just covered. And I said, oh yeah, God told me to go say Jesus loves you. And I said, okay. So I didn't do it. I failed and it hurt me so bad. I went home and I prayed and I cried and I said, Lord, give me a second chance. Give me, let me redeem myself, Father. I won't fail you this time. I know what I need to do. I see the grand scheme of things. I see the picture, Lord. So we're walking through the parking garage in downtown a couple weeks later, and this man came walking through, a security guard, covered in warts. And guess what I heard? My son, Tim Olaf, my good and faithful servant. Remember the promise you made to me? Again, I got up every bit of courage and strength I could get up, and I walked and got in the truck, and I left. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I failed him. But you know what? It's okay. God sent somebody to do it. But did God turn his back on me? No, because he agapes me. Sometimes people are going to fail you. Sometimes people aren't going to do things that you tell them not to do. That's the hardest part about discipling is when you can see the train wreck coming and nobody else can and they don't listen to you. You still agape them. Amen. Walk in love as Christ has also has loved us and given himself for us. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That, that whosoever covers the uttermost to the guttermost. Amen? That whosoever is everybody. It doesn't matter if you're white, brown, or black. Because when you're in the blood of Christ, we're all covered in red. Amen? <laughs> whosoever. That means he's called. He has a calling on everybody's life. That word that Paul used, as Christ also has loved us, is agape. Jesus knew the only way for us to have eternal life was for him to show us agape love, unconditional love at the cross. He went to the cross knowing that some people would reject him. He went to the cross knowing that there were people who would deny him. He went to the cross knowing that some people would talk bad about him and spend an entire lifetime trying to prove he wasn't real. But he also knew I love this part. He also knew that many would believe in him. Amen? He also knew there would be a generation of people who would rise up and defend the gospel unconditionally, without hesitation, and serve God with passion. Who would go where he says to go? Who would love who he says to love? Who would say what he says to say? He also knew there would be people who would agape him, who would love him unconditional. And there are people in here today who have only phileo Jesus. There are people in here today that have only loved Jesus as a friend. Has only loved him as a friend. And there are people in here today who have never loved him. He wants you to agape him. He wants you to love him 
unconditional. He called you to salvation. You didn't happen to stumble upon him one day. You didn't happen to get lucky and find this Jesus guy. He called you. He predestined you before the foundations of the earth, before there was even an ocean on this world, before the trees even started to grow, before the mountains even rose up out of the deep, before the sun gave out the light. Jesus knew your name. He called you before you were in the womb. He called you and knew your name before you were born. He counts every hair upon your head. He holds every tear in the palm of his hands. It's no accident that he called you. And it's no accident that you're here this morning. Hey, this is Christian Golden. I wanted to thank you so much for joining us today and listening to our podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, I'd like to ask you to do a couple things for us. The first is to subscribe to our podcast so you can stay up to date with everything going on here at LCC. Also, you can help us reach others around the world by investing today at lightchristiancenter.com slash give. Thank you so much for joining us. God bless you and have a great day.